we're going to go ahead and, and begin taking up our offering. I'm going to do a teaching about that really quick on that. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8. And we're going to start... I, I want to actually begin by looking at verse 18, the, the main verse, and then we're going to go back and get some context. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Last night I was actually uh, I was sitting in the living room and I was sitting there with my Bible open and I was like, well, I need to get something for the offering because there for a while I was just kicking the can down the road when I go take up the offering. I was like, y'all just give us your money and we'll, we'll be good. You know what we, you know our heart, but uh, this is, God's been wanting me to teach again. So, um, so I sat there sitting there thinking about it and then Gwen sends me a message and she says, what's this mean about this particular scripture? And I said, there is the Lord speaking. That's what I'm going to talk about. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. It says, But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He that gives you power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant which He swore unto your fathers as it is this day. Now, this is talked about a lot in our faith circles, the power to get wealth. It's, it's part of God establishing His covenant with us. But the question is, what exactly does that mean? What exactly does that look like? Does that mean if God gives us the power to get wealth, does that mean that we don't have to do anything? That God's just going to you know, rain down money from heaven? That He's just going to pour out wealth on us? So what does... Uh, this mean and the best way I know to figure out what this means is to get context so let's go down to Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 1 we're going to go through this quick but um, I'm going to give you enough so you know exactly what this is saying all the commandments which I command you this day you shall observe to do that you may live now notice this and multiply okay you're going to notice this word over and over in this chapter multiply God's blessing is always multiplication. It's never addition, simply addition. It's never subtraction. It's always multiplication. Now, I say that to say this. Anything times zero is what? Zero. So it's, it's, it's not God's blessing isn't your permission to sit down, do nothing, money comes down from heaven. God does not work for the United States Department of Treasury. You know that, right? God's not printing United States currency in heaven. There's not a, there's not a, a United States currency factory in heaven. All right? So anything times zero is zero. All right? Verse 2. Or let's read, finish that. And go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to prove you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep His commandments or no. And He humbled you. I'm sorry, but it's really bothering me how loud I sound. Is that all right? Uh, and He humbled you and suffered you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you knew not, neither did your fathers know. All right, let's jump down to... Well, look here at verse 4. Your raiment or your clothing didn't get old upon you, neither did your foot swell these 40 years. So think about it. Have you wore clothes for just a little bit of time, just a year or two? They start to get old, right? It's like after you wear them that one time, 
especially if you got kids, they're never the same. All right, they are never the same. Like this morning, I was, at this, I was like, I don't know what this is. I'm just praying that it's not like a poop stain or something from, Grant, from Finley. But it's something. But anyway, so something miraculous happened with, with God's blessing with these people in the wilderness for 40 years, and their clothes didn't even get old. He's saying you left with these clothes, and they never even got old while you, while you were out in the wilderness. Okay, verse 5. You shall also consider in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. And again, there's a lot I need to teach. I should teach on this with the covenants, but I, you know, I'm not going to. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Here at verse 7. For the Lord your God brings you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains, and depths that spring out of valleys and hills a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey, a land wherein you shall eat bread without scarceness. You shall not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you may dig brass. When you eat and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you don't forget the Lord your God in not keeping His commandments and His judgments and statutes. When you read this, don't think of the heaven-hell issue. Just think of doing things God's way. Okay? He's saying, listen, when you see my blessing on your life, don't all of a sudden say, well, now I'm going to take it from here. All right? That's all he's saying. Uh, verse 12. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built goodly houses and dwell therein, and when your herds and your flocks multiply... Now, there's that word again, multiply and your silver and your gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied. All right? Then your heart be lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God, which brought you forth out of, out of bondage. Verse 17. And you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth, but you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He that gives you the power to get wealth. So what is the power to get wealth? The power to get wealth is God's blessing on you. It's His promise to multiply whatever you, whatever you set your hand unto. So see, the world has this system of I always get exactly what I work for or I get what I cheat for. You know, however you, you have to get it some way. But in, in the kingdom system, God promises that there's a special blessing on you and whatever you put your hand to, He promises to multiply it. So here is what the blessing, the blessing of the Lord on your finances, this is what it is. It's God's promise that your finances won't make sense. All right? And let me give you an example of that. I won't turn there for time's sake, but Leviticus 24, 25, God, God is giving them this, this, this plan. And he says, all right, you're going to go into the land and you're going to sow and work your fields for six years. And he says, but the seventh year, you're not going to touch it at all. That doesn't make sense, right? In the natural, you're thinking, wait, hold up. I'm going to starve if I don't work those fields for one whole year. And God said, what I'm going to do is in those six years that you work, you're going to get, each year, you're going to get the food you need. 
But in that seventh year when you, when you rest and you follow my instructions, you're going to get three years worth of food. That doesn't make sense. And that's the way the blessing of the Lord is on our finances, on, on every aspect of our life. But it's an offering teaching, so I'm going to focus on finances. It's God not, your finances not making sense to anyone that comes in and looks at the books. Right? How many know it never makes sense to give? Never. It, 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 if, unless I told you if you give me $10, I can promise you I can flip it and give you 100 tomorrow. Right? You, yeah. But in the natural, it makes no sense when we as a church say, listen, if you give today, we're not going to send you a check multiplied here in a few weeks. Right? We're, we're not doing that. So it makes no sense to give. But when you know the blessing of the Lord is on you, you know He's promised to multiply whatever seed you sow. So whatever you get back, it's going to be what He's not just going to add to it. It's not, okay, you, get, you give $10, I'll give you 12 back in a few weeks. No, He's going to multiply it. Jesus talked about it being a hundredfold. That's a whole nother ballgame. And so the reason I point this out is, listen, so... It's not opposed, as grace people, we got to understand that grace isn't opposed to seed, time, and harvest. Grace works perfectly with seed, time, and harvest. You take a seed, a small seed, I say this every time I teach on offering, you take a small seed, plant it into the ground, you get way more back than a small seed. That's grace. Grace just says, listen, just put the seed in the ground. All you got to do is find the right ground, put the seed in it, and you're going to get way more in return. That's grace. That's why Paul would say, listen, God's not mocked whatever man sows, he's going to reap. Quit thinking seed time and harvest is opposed to grace. No, seed time and harvest is grace. And you realize that when you realize the one who gives you the harvest is also the one who gives you the seed. He gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. All right, so um, Proverbs 10.22, it says, The blessing of the Lord makes rich. Here it is. And he adds no sorrow to it. Again, God's blessing on you can get you to the place where your work doesn't feel like work. When you're doing what God wants you to do, or you're doing it with a, a, an awareness of His blessing, you're not complaining, you're not mumbling, you're not grumbling with everyone else. I always brag on my wife, and I tell people, you know, when Keisha was in nursing school, my mom uh, is a nurse, and, and things like that, I've, always, I've got a lot of nurses in my family, and growing up, I would see them go through nursing school and struggle, like struggle. Hours upon hours upon hours of studying and a lot of failure. And so when Keisha started nursing school, that was in my mind. Like, this is going to be rough on all of us, right? Long nights. I barely noticed Keisha studying. And she flew through her classes. Like, it was easy for her. To this day, she works hard. She's not here today because she's working. She will work hard today. She will come home tonight with no complaints, and she will come home tonight looking fine. Right? 
It's not going to look like she went and worked her butt off today. Although she is. Why? Because the blessing of the Lord is upon her. And there are so many times that we look at our finances and we're like, in the natural, this makes no sense. This makes absolutely no sense. That is the power to get wealth. The world can work and have a lot, but they don't have the blessing. They don't have the promise of multiplication attached to what they do. All right, But we're given the promise that everything we set our hand to, God's going to bless it. Do you know we can, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, bring you all the tithes in the storehouse, you know, all the tithes and offerings into the storehouse. I'm going to say something that I shouldn't say. But if you read, <laughs> that's why I'm just trying to fly through it. If you read Malachi 3.10 and you stop at tithes and offerings and you think, do I have to tithe? Do I have to bring an offering? You are a legalist. Even if you're doing it with the motive, I don't, I, I, I'm under grace so I don't have to. If you stop at that verse and say, yeah, but I don't have to tithe, you are a legalist. <laughs> Listen, because what can happen is, what's a legalist? A legalist is someone who's focused on the letter. What does the exact letter mean? Is that, is that I dotted? Is that T crossed? But Paul taught in 2 Corinthians 3 that, that we should read the Word with the Spirit. Yes. See, you can, you can realize that the letter isn't for you, but you can still catch the Spirit behind that letter. And God can teach you in that verse how to organize your finances and what to do with your giving and what to do with your offerings. Okay, so, so when I read Malachi 3.10, my, my mind doesn't think, do I have to tithe? Do I have to give? My mind is, wait a minute, when I do, God promises that He's going to pour out a blessing that I can't even contain. Alright, so, the blessing of the Lord is upon you. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. You just read in the Word, God says, do this, and He promises when I do this, He's going to multiply. If you pass up on that deal, there's, there's, there's not much hope for you. All right? And I'm not pressuring you to give or anything. I'm just saying in general, right? If you pass up on that deal, man, we're crazy. I, when, and when you see this way, you no longer feel the need to hold on. You feel the need to give. Because it's like, listen... It's coming back, and it's coming back multiplied. That's the power to get wealth. That is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich, and it has no sorrow with it. It's not me working overtime after overtime after overtime killing myself. It's I'm doing what God wants me to do or where I'm at right now in my life, and God pouring His blessing out upon it. Isn't that good? That's so good. All right, guys, if you need to give an envelope, you can raise your hand. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to give. We thank you that you bless each and every seed sown. In Jesus' name, amen. I realize I've I seen this morning, I've seen someone nearly kill themselves to save a turtle <laughs> on the interstate. That was fun. Um. I was driving this way, and 
there was a, a girl that pulled in the center of the road, and she started flashing her lights, like, hectically. And I was like, okay, it's, it's something. I don't even know if hectically is a word, but I will. Uh, I, was like, I was like, I don't even, I, I was like, is something bad wrong? Because, I mean, it's the most panic flashing of lights that I've ever seen. And uh, so I was like watching, you know, I slowed down and I happened to notice this little turtle in the road that she almost caused me to hit by flashing her lights at me. And so as I, as I pulled past, I see her get out of her car and run behind my car and uh, just to save that turtle. And there's this huge FedEx truck just rushing at her. She was probably 50 feet from it, all to save that turtle. And I thought, she's either the most compassionate woman or the most stupid. <laughs> I lean on one side and I won't say which one. So could have been, been hungry, yeah. I was like, listen, I literally almost hit that turtle because of you flashing your lights warning me to not hit the turtle. Uh, so you almost did the damage yourself. Um, all right, guys. Well, I knew this was going to happen. Um, I've got like three Bibles up here, and there's a reason. Um, this morning, uh, last night, I, I sent the information of what I'm going to preach this morning. And when I was sending it, I said, I know I'm not preaching this. I just know I'm not preaching it, but I'm going to send it anyways. And, uh, and, and as I was back there uh, during worship, the Lord just totally, you know, he's like, this is what you need to preach this morning. So I have no notes, and uh, when I don't have any notes, that's dangerous, because I usually say something, and I'm like, I really wish I hadn't said that. <laughs> um, Jeremiah flows better in that than me. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I ran out and got this Bible, because the other day, Keisha and Graham Finnett fell asleep, so me and him sat in the car while she, her and Graham went in the store, and I keep this little Bible in, in, in the car. And uh, I was studying on what I'm going to minister on this morning the other day while she was in Walmart. So I ran out there to get it to jog my memory. But um, let's get started. We're going to go to Romans. Let's see. I think I want to start in chapter 2 instead of chapter... Chapter 3 is where I want to minister. But I'm going to start, I think, in chapter 2. Let's look at Romans chapter 2 and... Verse 25, and we'll start there. For circumcision barely profiteth if you keep the law, but if you be a breaker of the law, your circumcision is made uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge you, who by the letter and circumcision does transgress the law? For he is not a Jew, listen to this, for he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. In verse 3, what advantage then has the Jew? Now, here's the way Romans excuse me, is working up to this point. 
Romans chapter 1, Paul introduces the whole subject of this letter, and it's the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believes. And then what he begins to do is, as you, as you move in verse 18, right after he mentions the gospel, is he begins to talk about how, listen, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness. And as he moves into chapter 2, he begins to really hit uh, the Jew. And he begins to say, listen, you're judging people because they break the commandments, but you're just as guilty as, as, sending, at, you know, as sending at someone at, at something else. Okay, He's saying, listen, don't judge someone else for breaking the commandments when you sin in your own way. All right. So he's like, I know you're the covenant chosen people of God, but you're guilty of sin just as much as the Gentiles are. So that's what he's doing. And then he comes to Romans chapter 3 eventually, and he says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So that's where we end up. But at this point, he's saying, listen, if you aren't keeping the commandments of your covenant and you're not obeying God, and you're still saying, yeah, but I'm circumcised. He's like, well, what's the whole point of being circumcised if you're not going to keep the commandments? If you're not going to obey God, what's the point of being circumcised? He's like, okay, let me shoot this scenario to you. Uh, someone who's not circumcised keeps the commandments. Who's better? Right? That, that's, what he, that's what he's kicking at. Is it, is it better to be circumcised or is it better to obey God? So the Jew who is reading this, they come to the end of, of chapter 2. And here's the question they're going to have. Then what the heck is the point in being a Jew? Then why have I been doing all of this? What advantage has there been for me as a Jew, a covenant person of God, a son of Abraham, and suddenly you're telling me that if I'm not perfect, it doesn't matter? All right, do you follow that? But then we come to to chapter 3, and actually what I'm talking about has nothing to do with all this stuff, but it's needed. Verse 2, look here. So so verse 1, what advantage then has the Jew? So the Jew wants to know, yeah, but don't do I have some sort of advantage? Verse 2, much every way. So Paul is saying, yes, we're all under sin, But yes, as a Jew, up to this point in time, you have had an advantage. But it's not your circumcision. It's not your keeping the commandments. It's not even being your your sacrifices. What has the advantage been? Much every way, chiefly, this is the main advantage you have, because that unto them, the Jews, were committed the oracles of, of God. That is just an, uh, an old way of saying the Word of God. So what advantage then has the Jew? He says, you have a big advantage because unto you was committed the Word of God. Now it's taken him a little bit to get where I am, but listen, here, here's what I want to say. When man rebelled in the garden, I, I've, I've taught on this before, I've got whole messages. It's not like people have taught that, that, that Adam gave his dominion to Satan. That's not what happened. But what did happen is suddenly man's spirit that was perfect was no longer perfect. 
Suddenly, the enemy didn't have dominion, but he did have an advantage. And the advantage was an unregenerated spirit. So we were at, as humanity, a disadvantage. So God called out a chosen people, and even though they couldn't be born again yet, he gave them, he put the advantage back in their hands. And the advantage was the word of God the revelation of God, the scriptures, the revealing of his person, of who he is through his names, through his commandments, through, through his acts. Okay, so we see, we see that. Look here in verse 3. For what if some did not believe? This is, this is the main thing, reason we're here. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? So here's, here's the whole thing, what I'm talking about. We live, right now, we are in a time in our world where you look at social media and you are bombarded with bad news. You are bombarded with bad news, not only from the world but from other believers. And here's what happens. See, as believers, here's what I'm getting at. We have an advantage. As believers, we have an advantage, and that advantage is the Word of God. You have an advantage. This book gives you the advantage over everyone else in this life. In, when, when God uh, was, when the plagues were being poured out upon Egypt, God said, listen, I'm going to make a difference between, the, between Egypt and between the children of Israel. God always, listen, you can argue about it all you want to, God always makes a difference in His people and the people have chosen not to be His people. Alright? So, He gives us an advantage and the advantage is the Word of God. And what happens a lot of times is we know we've got this advantage and we start off fired up about it. But what happens is, what, what do you do when you know brother so-and-so who believes just like you do and may be the one who taught you everything you know and suddenly his circumstances are contrary to what you believe? So-and-so, brother so-and-so taught me that I could always be healed and that sickness didn't have to come near me. All of a sudden, brother so-and-so has cancer. What about when brother so-and-so dies of cancer? What happens is the enemy comes in and says, you see that? You don't have an advantage. This stuff doesn't work. Life is happening to you just like it is to everyone else. There is no advantage. That right there has caused so many people to say the faith stuff doesn't work. The church stuff doesn't work. The Jesus stuff doesn't work. We have no advantage. And it's caused a lot of people to adopt circumstantial theology. And what circumstantial theology is, is I no longer get the truth from the Word. I get the truth from my circumstances. 
I teach on healing a lot. And every, I'm telling you, every argument I receive, every opposition I get is never based on Scripture. Never. I have yet to have one person come up to me and say, all right, now you're wrong, and here's why, and show it to me in the book. I've yet to experience that. And I've had probably, I'm not joking, you know, hundreds, dozens of people come at me against, you know, against this. What they always point me to is a circumstance. And it's always the circumstance of a believer. They don't point me to Uncle Johnny who never trusted Jesus and died a miserable death. That's never what they point me to. They point me to Brother Johnny Q who believed God, said he would be healed, and he died. That's what they point me to. It's circumstantial theology. But we are called as people of the book. People who say, I don't care what happened to him or her, I still have an advantage. We have the faith advantage. Faith gives us the advantage. Faith in God's Word. And listen, if we're shaken by someone else's experience, your faith isn't in the Word. Your faith is in someone else's experience. And this is the reason I'm talking about that. So many people are basing their faith and making decisions right now in our world, in our country, in our state, in this town, based on the experiences of other people. Can I just get blunt? And I'm going to regret this later, okay? Again, I know I'm going to regret this later. I'm just going to talk plainly to the issue at hand. Believers, you have no business peddling fear about COVID. Hold on. Believers, you have no business peddling fear about a vaccine. You have no business peddling fear about anything. And here's how that fear is normally peddled. Here's this article where this 25-year-old dad of four took this vaccine, died two weeks later. Perfectly healthy. You're peddling fear. Here is this lady, 36-year-old, perfect immune system, mother of three, got COVID, died. You're peddling fear. Now, I'm not talking to anyone here this morning, but I believe this message is for the church at large today because we're, 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 we're acting like we have to choose a side. And I have people message me in my inbox right now. I've had people message me. Should I do this or that when it comes to this vaccine? And this is my response to every one of them. You need to hear from God. And you need to do what you have peace about. And if you'll get peace, you won't care what negative report you see. You won't care about the guy who got COVID, is on a ventilator, and, you know, been on there for three weeks. It won't bother you because you'll know God told me that I don't have to get the vaccine. On the flip side, if you get that, and you know God told you to get that, and people are sharing these articles, you're going to say, listen, 
I heard from God. No deadly, th you know, in Mark 16, you shall drink no deadly thing and it shall harm you. What's the difference in taking it by mouth and getting it in the arm? Poison is poison. All right, so if even if you believe there's some, you know, even if there is poison in it, listen, I've got an advantage. And, that, and if there is poison in that, I'm not saying there's poison in that. You, you think what you want to. If there is poison in that, it can't harm me. If there is a plague taking out people, it can't take me out. Amen. I have an advantage. And that advantage is the Word of God. If we would just make decisions based on two or three things, we need peace, all right? We need faith, you know, so let's go back to peace. What can you do and have peace in? Can you have peace if you, don't, if you don't do this? Can you have peace if you do? Do whichever one you have peace about. Can you do it in faith? Because if you can't do it in faith, I promise you, you'll get the opposite results of what you, what you think is going to happen just because someone told you it's what would happen. What can you do in faith? And three, and I'm telling you this is a big one, and this is the one that absolutely bothers me about Christians right now, you need to act with compassion. Peace, faith, compassion. What do I mean compassion? Listen, give people the freedom and the liberty to choose differently than you. you got to realize that you can't force people to have your peace. And you got to realize that you're not Jesus and just because you've got peace about something doesn't mean God's given that same peace to everyone else. What's going on in our world is not a black and white issue. I am sorry, but it's not. It is very much a gray issue that is different for every individual. And it's like we can't see that. It's like we're oblivious to it. And I'm going to tell you why. Because we've chosen that we would rather stand with a political party than we would with the kingdom. Bishop LaDonna Osborne, someone I look up to, it's the daughter of T.L. Osborne. i seen a quote from her recently and I loved it. It's so simple. She just wrote, politics is a distraction. Now, I'm not talking about not standing up for godly morals and values and righteousness and justice. I'm all about that. I'm passionate about that. Uh, I've had people who followed my ministry for years. They got upset with me because I spoke out about those issues and they don't want to do with me no more. All right, So I'm passionate about that. I get that. That's not what I'm talking about. But when you choose a side of the political aisle and say, I'm walking with these guys, they've just become your saviors. And you, can, you better make sure that you're safe with them. And listen... You're not. You're not either side. Okay? You're not. Don't choose a side. Choose Jesus. Choose the Spirit. And let Him direct you and guide you in what you need to do right now. In what you need to do in this situation. I seen a lady the other day. Listen, I love this lady. I appreciate what she's... Uh, done for the body of Christ, but I've seen her share an article, and you know, it's about someone who died after getting the vaccine. It's like, listen, if you want more horror stories, just message me, 
And I'm like, listen, I thought you was a faith preacher. I thought you was a faith preacher. I'm, I'm not telling you what to do. I am telling you what to do. I'm telling you to hear from God. I'm telling you that no matter what God tells you to do, you don't have to live in fear about that thing because you have an advantage. You have the Word of God. All right? Let's go back to Romans chapter 3. Let's, let's finish here. But look here, verse 3. For what if some did not believe, shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? He's saying, listen, I don't care if it didn't work for other people. What does that matter? When he says the faith of God... You could say faith in God, but when he says the faith of God, what's he talking about? In verse 2, he says, Unto them the Jews were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Believe what? The oracles of God, the word of God. Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Again, what was the subject? The oracles. The faith of God he's referring to is actually the word of God. Because in the word is God's faith. If you need faith, if you'll just get in this book, just pick it up, meditate on one verse. I'm not saying read it from front to back in, in a day. But if, if you just pick it up, let God quicken one verse to you, faith comes. Why? Because it's got God's faith in it. It's a container of God's faith. So if you'll just get in it, you'll get faith. Faith will come. All right? So... He's saying, listen, I don't care if people didn't believe. I don't care if people didn't make it. I don't care if people supposedly had a failure. It doesn't make the Word of God of no effect. The Word of God is still working. You realize that, right? <laughs> if, 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 oh, man, I want to say a lot of things, and I don't want to say those things. I know my wife is listening to me at work like, please, Grant. Don't say that. <laughs> verse, verse 4. God forbid. So if other people's testimony... Listen, testimonies are so powerful. They're so powerful. How powerful is it when you hear of a, of a good testimony from someone else? That's powerful. And it can minister faith to you. Likewise... You have to be really careful because a negative testimony can minister unbelief to you. You can feel confident in something, but then you read a negative report and suddenly your faith's shaken. And the Bible says, Paul teaches in Romans 14, listen, be really careful here because anything you do without faith is sin. All right, we're not talking about a heaven or hell issue, but you're going to miss that mark. Remember, we've talked about that recently. You're going to miss that mark. All right, verse 4. God forbid. Listen to this. Yes, let God be true, but every man a liar. Now, I find this so interesting in the Greek because um, how would you define liar? It's just someone who doesn't tell the truth, right? That, that would be, if you ask me for a definition of liar, uh, my, 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 I would just buy it's someone who doesn't tell the truth, all right? 
That is actually not exactly what it means in the Greek. All right, the word used here in the Greek, listen to this, is one who breaks faith. So a liar is a person, you've got faith, you, you got faith, you got faith, you're pumped up, you're built up, you know you've heard from God, you know what, that you're doing exactly what He told you to do. You go on Facebook, you see someone tell you their negative story, suddenly you, your faith ain't as strong. My friend, you've been deceived by a liar. Is their story true? Probably. It's probably a true report. But not for you. See, they're a liar because they broke your faith. They made your faith muddy. That sincere faith is no longer as sincere because of what they put out there and you received it into your heart. I'm not saying you go up to that person and you say, you dirty, dog-faced liar. All right, To them it might be true, but it's, it doesn't have to be true for you. It opposes what you've heard from God, what God's told you to do. So to them, they're a liar to you. Okay, he says, so let God be true and every man a liar. Go with me. Let's go to, to 1 Samuel. Chapter 17. Let's see here. Let's look at verse. Anybody know where I want to go? I mean, okay, verse twenty. All right, so this this is this is a famous passage of scripture. It's a famous chapter. It's where David fights Goliath. Okay, and David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded, commanded him. So. David's brothers are out fighting in war, all right? But, but David is young, so he's staying back with the sheep, and his father Jesse says, listen, go take the, this provision, this food, and these, these things to your brothers, okay? So that's what David's going to do. Uh, verse 21, For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Listen to this. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Listen, we look over this. We just read over this. What, why would you point out a brother's uh, private situation? <laughs> What's it got to do with anything? 
What's it matter what's going on in this, in, in this dude's clothes, right? Keisha's breathing a sigh of relief because she thought I was going to go a lot further with that than I did. And I did too when I started. Thank you, Jesus. But um, this book, this Bible, I call it the book of the covenant. It is a book about covenant. Now, in our grace circles, we've made it about old covenant and new covenant, but it's actually just the book of the covenant. That covenant is not a contract. That covenant is a person, and his name is Jesus. In Isaiah, in two places, speaking to Jesus, God says, I will give you as a covenant to the people. All right, so this is the book of the covenant. This is the book of Jesus. This book is filled with many covenants, and all these covenants find their fulfillment in Jesus. All right? So Jesus, did, that's what he was talking about. I don't just throw away the law. I fulfill it. All right? So Jesus doesn't say, nah, that's no good anymore. No, he fulfills it. And he says it finds its fulfillment in me. There's actually four main co- There's many covenants in the Bible, but there's four main covenants. All right, listen to me. There is the, the Abrahamic covenant. There is the Mosaic covenant or the old covenant. There is the Davidic covenant, the one made with David. And then there is the new covenant. All right. All four of these covenants find their fulfillment in the one person, the one man, Jesus. All right. In the Garden of Eden, it mentions how there are four rivers that come, that come to a head yeah. in Eden. Yeah. All right, These four rivers represent these four covenants. And they come and they meet in this one place that is paradise, where everything is provided, where everything is finished, where everything is easy. That represents Jesus. All these rivers are all these covenants. They're separate, but they run into one. All right? Do you see that? So this is the book of the covenant. And under the Abraham, it began with Abraham that the Jew had to be circumcised. And that was a sign of God's covenant. I'm really trying not to get to. Every time a brother went to the bathroom, he realized I'm under I'm in covenant with God. All right? Constant reminder, numerous times a day, I'm in covenant with God. All right? So 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 circumcision was a sign of the covenant. So what David was saying is, why are we afraid of this dude? Goliath was over 9 foot tall, 9 feet tall. All right, so David's like, yeah, I see him, but uh, he doesn't have a covenant with God. Here's what amazes me about this story. All right, now we all know that eventually David kills the giant, and he points us out again to Saul. He says, listen, I'll go fight him because who's this uncircumcised Philistine? Here's what amazes me. There were likely, I've I've not done the math, I've not looked at the numbers, but I'm just going to guess. Let's say there's millions of Jews there in that army that day on that battlefield. Now let me ask you this. How many of those Jews had a covenant with God? Every single one of them. Because listen, if if, if God told Abraham, listen, if they won't be circumcised, they're gone. So you can guarantee everyone there that day, every man there fighting was circumcised. He was in covenant with God. 
Millions of people had a covenant with God. At that point, they even had it in a book. They had the first five books. All right? So they even had a, the covenant in a book. But here's what made the difference. David had the covenant in his heart. And when David had the covenant in his heart, everyone else seen a giant. David seen an inheritance. Come on. David said, wait a minute. If I go and kill this man, what happens? They're like, well, you're going to get a wife, and she's hot. Um, <laughs> you're you're, you're going you're gonna to live at the king's and eat at the king's table for the rest of your life, so you're going to eat good. You're going to be rich. You're going to be well off. This, man, this young boy, all he's doing every day is taking care of sheep. And they're saying, listen, if you can just kill this guy, your whole life's about to change. And David says, all right, I don't have to depend. Saul, I don't need your helmet. I don't need your swords. I don't need your gear. I don't need any of those things. All I need is a covenant. And because he had a covenant with God, even though everyone else around him was in fear, David was in faith. David had an advantage. See, so listen. So what about those bad testimonies of believers who have died? Listen, saved, yes. Good people, sure. Faith, probably. But that doesn't negate how powerful this is. And it doesn't negate what it will do in your life, in your circumstances, when you believe it. I had, you know, when, when Jordy went to be with Jesus, had so many people like that. It's like, yeah, but, but now you know that you can't really expect, you know, this to, to work every time. I'm like, no, I know. Now I know that it will work every time. Because faith victory after victory after victory after victory, right? It works. I don't care who it's not working for. It will work for me. And we need to develop the attitude as believers, it will always work for me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. You don't have to turn there, but it says, The Word works mightily in your heart that you believe. The only word that is working in your heart is the one that you believe. You have a lot of words in this book. You have a lot of promises in this book. And guess what? Every one of those promises are for you. But the only ones that will work for you are the ones that you truly believe in your heart. And the only person that can tell whether or not you truly believe it in your heart, guess who that is? That's you. That's you. Only you know. So when you hear a, a, a bad report, a bad testimony, it doesn't matter. You don't know what was going on in that person's heart. Doesn't mean they weren't saved. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean they, they didn't, you know, they're, they're not going to heaven or, or in heaven. It doesn't matter. You don't know what was going on in that person's heart. And here's the thing. I've told you guys this hundred times. I'll say it a hundred times more. I'd rather hurt your feelings than then, then even remotely and just a little bit malign God's character and His faithfulness and His trustworthiness. If you give me the choice, is it my fault or God's fault? 
100% of the time, baby, I'm going to tell you it was your fault. <laughs> now, it's not, I'm not saying those are your only two options. Stuff happens. There's different, there's different options. I'm just saying if you make me choose between those two, listen, when, when, when our son went to be with Jesus, me and Keisha immediately told people, everybody we came in touch with, God didn't take him. God didn't need another angel. God didn't need someone to help him plant a garden. God didn't need, God didn't need him. All right, it wasn't that. God didn't take him, but God is faithful and he did receive him. Right? So in, in that, that, that story of where people see, may, may see uh, a failure, we see faithfulness. There's promise ahead. He moved from our present into our future. See, people who, people, who, people who go to be with Jesus, stop thinking about them in your past. They are in your past. Don't get me wrong. You have those beautiful memories to think about, but you've now sowed them into your future. That's why Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, listen, he, he compares the body that you bury or whatever you do to it to a seed that you sow in the ground. You don't sow a seed and say, well, there goes that. Come on. You know that a harvest is coming. And you know the next time you see that, it's going to be more beautiful, it's going to be more strong, it's going to be more fruitful than it was when you put it in the ground. All right? So quit thinking of, of, of people's death as a failure. It's not a failure. It's a testimony of the faithfulness of God. Was it God's will to heal them? Yes. But God, He doesn't take them, but He always receives them because that's His faithfulness. All right? So these people, every one of these Jews had a covenant with God. But David was the only one who had it in his heart. So let me ask you this. Who's seen the giant fall? Who, who, who is the reason the giant fell? David. Right? David's the one who slung the stone, hit that sucker right in, in the head, and he fell... David cuts off his head. But here, here's what is awesome. See, David, again, David represents, he can represent us in this situation, but David represents Jesus. David was the man who came with covenant in his heart. Jesus was the man who came with covenant in his heart. And, Dave, and so when David killed the giant, yes, he got these benefits. He got the wife. He got the place beside the king. He got the wealth. He got the name. But all of Israel enjoyed those benefits. All of Israel shared an inheritance. That's a type of Jesus. Right? All right, so I'll give you another example. Numbers chapter uh, 12 through 14, you all know this story. You have God tells Moses, send 12 spies into the promised land. All right? Now, here's the funny thing. God never says, when you read that God is promising them the promised land, He never says anything like, if you take the land. If you ever walk in it. It's always when. Yeah, come on. It was promised. Come on. It was finished. He said, you're going to live in houses that you didn't build. You're going to eat of vineyards that you didn't plant. He was promising them a finished work. All right? So he promised it to them. I find it interesting that God never detailed their enemies. But when they went into the promised land, when he sends these 12 spies, 10 of them come back 
And all they talk about is the Giants. They just, they just like, well, did you see those guys? Did you see how big they were? God never told them, hey, go check out the promised land and see if you can defeat those guys. He said, go see what I'm about to bring you into. All right, here's, here's what I'm saying. They had the word. They had the promise. They had the victory. But those ten people, they didn't enter the promised land. You know why? They didn't believe God. They didn't trust Him. Two people got to walk into the promised land. You know who? Joshua and Caleb. You know why? They believed God. Even when those other guys said, listen, those giants, they're too big for us. Joshua and Caleb said, doesn't matter. God told us we can have it. We're going to take it. I don't care how big they are. Caleb was 80 years old. He came back and he said, hey, give, give me that mountain over there. I'm going to take it. Come on. And he took it. At 80 years old, this man said, listen, give me that mountain. I'll take those giants out. The, the same giants that, just, that 40 years earlier, these young 25, 20-year-old men said, we can't take that person. We can't take those guys. Even at 80, Caleb says, I'll take it. And they're on a mountain. He says, give me this mountain. You know what that, where do you think they were at on the mountain? They're on the top of the mountain, right? So if you study warfare, it's, all, it's always been tougher to take a mountain. Why? Because, listen, they just roll stuff down the hill. They've got the advantage. They can see everything, right? It's hard to take a mountain. Well, imagine a mountain with giants at the top. And Caleb takes it. Caleb takes it. Why? Because he knew he had an advantage. He trusted God. He believed God. Look with me at Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13. Is this blessing you guys? Matthew 7 verse 13. So this is very familiar scripture here, but Enter you, so Jesus teaching here. Enter you in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads unto life, and few there be that find it. Now primarily the way... I'm going to say I've heard this preached a hundred times. Let's just throw that number out there. A hundred times this way I've heard it preached. Jesus is the straight and the narrow. Good living is the straight and the narrow. You choose that so you can go to heaven. If you don't choose that, you don't go to heaven. And this is the argument. How many people have heard the argument? There's more people in hell than there are in heaven. Everybody heard that? I've heard that all my life. More people is going to be in hell than there are in heaven. Well... So how many did Jesus say would enter into life? Few, right? He said few, all right? Keep your place there, but go with me to Revelation yeah, chapter 5. So let me ask you this. Revelation chapter 5, is this it written before or after the death, burial, and resurrection? After. All right, so this is after the death, burial, and resurrection. Revelation chapter 5. 
let's see here. Verse 8. So when he, speaking of Jesus, had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Now let me ask you something. Does that sound like a few people to you? A number which cannot be numbered. That's not a few. That's how I know that Jesus isn't talking about heaven and hell. That's not the subject. He never says anything about heaven. He never says anything about hell. He never says anything about salvation. Back to Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter you in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads unto life, and few there be that find it. Here's what he's saying. You're probably going to see a lot more failure than you do success when you look at others. But do you want to walk with the many, or do you want to walk with the few? You get to choose. So here's the question to you this morning. Are you going to be one of the few or are you going to be one of the many? I'm not talking about taking a political stance. I'm talking about hearing from God and walking in victory because you hear Him and have obeyed what He told you to do. That's how you find life. That's how you avoid destruction. All right? Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The life he was talking about wasn't like your physical breath, your physical animation, you alive. When you look that word up in the Greek, it's zoe. Look, look zoe up in a Greek dictionary, specifically in the Vines Dictionary. You know what W.E. Vines said? One of the greatest Greek scholars ever. He said, zoe is life, Zoe is life as God has it. He said it's always the life of the one that's of the same manner or, or matter of the one who possesses it. So when Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, he's saying, I've come that you might have life as God possesses it. That's the mark. And so that's, and how do you hit that mark? By faith. So anytime you act outside of faith, you miss that mark. The mark isn't uh, this ministry, that ministry, this church, this pastor, that pastor, that TV preacher, that believer, the other believer. They're not the mark. The mark is life as God has it. Is God blessed? Is God missing it? Is God, is God rich? Is God healthy? I had the thought this morning, isn't it amazing that we, we teach that Jesus gave you His name, His inheritance, His peace, 
His power, all these things, His glory, all these things He says He's given you that belongs to Him. Why would He not give you His health? Everything He has, you are one with Him, so it belongs to you. You have life as God has it. And God wants you to experience that. But you can't experience that as long as you're beholding the experience of others. We are transformed into the image we behold. What you behold, you become. That's why he said in in Hebrews, it says, listen, follow those and imitate those who by faith and patience inherit the promises. He's actually telling you there, if you want to listen to it, listen, if it's somebody who's not walking into the promises, you probably shouldn't follow them. Remember what I said, let God be true and every man a liar. And that doesn't mean this person is perfect. All right, When when somebody hits a bump in the road and it shakes you, that shaking is proof to you that your faith isn't in Jesus. Do you get that? If I, hear, if I hear someone I look up to as COVID and it shakes my faith concerning COVID, my faith's in that person, not Jesus. Hear someone got the vaccine, they got sick, that shakes me, my faith isn't in Jesus. It's in that person. Okay? So if it shakes you, don't be condemned. Take that as, as God knocking, listen. Your face, your face pointed in the wrong direction. You're, you're beholding the wrong image. Look at me. Focus on me. Behold me. That's life. That's victory. That's faith. That's the advantage. All right, do you see that? We're going to finish here. Psalm 91. Y'all are going to go home and you're going to look on Facebook and you're going to see these articles. You're going to be like, that'd make Grant mad. I bet if he sees that right now, he's mad. <laughs> There's a good chance I probably am. I've been deleting Facebook off my phone. I, I, I download it every morning, make a status, and then delete it again. I just, I don't, do, I don't want to do unbelief. I want nothing to do with unbelief. I don't put my head in the sand. I'm just not going to behold that image. All right? And so let me give you that advice. If something bothers you, If it shakes you, get rid of it. Turn it off. Don't listen to it. Um, I told someone just yesterday, you know, they were sharing all these negative reports about about this with me. And I said, listen, for every negative story, there's there's a positive one. And what we do as humans, because we have an ego, the the ego always seeks to, to verify itself, to approve itself. So you know the reports you tend to focus on? the ones that already prove your preconceived notion true. And you want proof that that's the case? Go read other reports that are different than what you believe and you watch your blood pressure start to go up. Why? You're getting upset. Because your ego's being challenged. Your ego's getting a gut punch. And you're saying, no. See, the ego always seeks to preserve its opinion. All right, sorry, I'm a psychology major, so sorry. Psalm 91, verse 1. 
He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall trust. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid. You shall not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday. Listen to this, verse 7. A thousand shall fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. That is covenant language. That is covenant talk. That is a man who doesn't just have covenant or promises in a book, but he's got covenant and promises in his heart. Notice, look here, look all through these. He's like, listen, uh, I will say to the Lord, he, uh, he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall trust. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid uh, by the, for the terror by night nor for the arrow that flies by the day. And then look, but then he gets to verse 7 and he stops talking about you. He stops saying what's possible with you and then he says, a thousand shall fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it won't come near me. Why? Because he can't say that about everybody else. Why? Because he, don't know, he doesn't know what's in everybody else's heart. And what he's saying is, listen, all this stuff is for you, but all I can say is I'm walking in it. You've got the same promises as me, but I'm walking in it. My mind is made up. A thousand will fall at my side, ten thousand at my right. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's the pestilence. I don't care if it's the terror. I don't care what it is. It won't come near me. That's covenant talk. And again, this isn't perfection. What if you're sick right now? What if you're dealing with it right now? This will not, I will, I will, I will not die but I will live and declare the works of the Lord. That's covenant talk. Even in the middle of a bad circumstance, you can still claim, it won't take me out. It, it won't come near me. It's already on you. I don't care. It won't do it again. It's going to learn its lesson this time. Because from this point on, I, okay, I see what I see where I'm, I may need to make a little change, and I'm going to make that change, and it's not coming back. It's not coming back. We can walk by faith and not by sight, but too many times we're walking by sight and not by faith. And again, this isn't. Like I, like I was saying, this isn't about perfection because every one of us, every person in here this morning has areas in your life. I just, I just uh, uh, what is today, Sunday? So just yesterday morning, I, I, I called Alan Kaplan. I had Alan, Alan pray with me for an issue that I've been praying about for 10 years. 10 years. And I've seen no change. None. It's got worse. 
And I, and I had Alan, I called Alan, and I, I, I spoke with Alan, let him minister to me and pray about it. See, so I'm not talking about perfection. But in that conversation, I, I, I seen Jesus tell me, he said, it's over. It's over. All right? So, so I don't care what you're in the middle of, make the decision today as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. We don't serve fear. We don't, we, don't serve, we don't serve any of these things. We serve the Lord. And we have a covenant with Him. You can't mess up this new covenant. It's not... Be, it, see, covenant in the Bible... I mean, there are covenants between men, but when we're talking about covenants, primarily what we're talking about is a covenant between God and man. Remember what I said, we've got the Abrahamic covenant, God and man. Mosaic covenant, God and men. Davidic covenant, God and man. The new covenant is between God and man, but that man is the man, Christ Jesus. David was the covenant representative of sorts in 1 Samuel 17. Whatever happened to David was going to happen to all of Israel. If David lost, all of Israel lost. If David won, all of Israel won. That was a covenant representative. All right? That's what the language in the New Testament means when it talks about in Christ, in Him, in whom. It's covenant talk. It's saying, listen, just as David got the victory for Israel, Jesus has already got the victory for you. So you need to see yourself in Him, in the covenant, the only way, I might minister on this in a few weeks, the only way God can be unfaithful to you is if He's unfaithful to Jesus. Because listen to me, the promise isn't made to you. Every promise in the Word, it's not, it is not for, for Brian. It's not for Tim. It's not for Dan. It's for Jesus. But guess what? You're in Him. And since they're in Him, they can say it's for me. Even though it was made to Jesus... It's based on His faithfulness, so you know it's promised because you're in Him. All right? So you can't mess it up is what, I, what I'm saying. Even when you fail. See, because we tend to think of covenant as a contract. It's not a contract. A covenant between God and man is this. God obligating Himself to be faithful to the one He made the covenant with. So the new covenant is God obligating Himself to be faithful to Jesus. Where are you? In Jesus. So He has obligated Himself to be faithful to you. Even in the Abrahamic covenant, God put Abraham asleep and he walked through the valley. He, that's what we do right there. God's saying, I'm the one that's fulfilling this. Abraham, you have nothing to do with this. Yep. I will And even the old covenant, God never broke that covenant. The problem was men, right? They were unregenerated. They couldn't keep it. But God knew that when he made it, right? He, he had a game plan is what Paul teaches us. But even in the old covenant, even when they were unfaithful, God said, if you'll just call out to me. See, we make it about, we look at the old covenant and say, oh, God's mindset was, okay, if you'll just start doing everything right, I'll come in and save you. 
Read, read the books of Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles. That's never the way it goes. It's always the people just cry out to him and call out to him, and he saves them. He never waits till they get it all together because he, he knew they couldn't. So God's faithfulness, he's always faithful to his covenant. It's not a contract. It's not between, you know, if you break it, he doesn't. If, you know, a covenant, the difference in a contract and a covenant is, listen, if you break a contract, somebody can sue you. They can take you to court, right? But a covenant, if you break your part of the covenant, the reason that God would cut the animal in two and the reason he walked in between it himself was because he knew Abraham couldn't keep it. And if Abraham walked between those two animals, it was is Abraham saying, if I mess this covenant up, God do the same to me that he did to this animal. So God said, I'm going to knock him out and I'm going to take the responsibility. And if I break this covenant, then let this same thing be done to me. Why? Because he knew he wasn't going to mess it up. God is faithful to us. So what advantage do we have? We have a big advantage. We have a faith advantage. We have the covenant advantage. We have the word of God advantage. Don't, don't get into fear. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's somebody real close to you. I don't care if it's someone you look up to in the faith. I don't care who it is. Just recently, listen, a minister that has been one of the most powerful ministers in my life, when it comes to this whole situation that's going on in our nation right now, I prayed about what to do, and I did it. All right, And I had peace about it. Nothing's ever shaken me from it. I get more frustrated with people putting people in guilt trips because they're doing different than them, but, but I've had peace about it. And I heard a minister that, like I said, I put him in my top five. But I was listening to him, and he's like, listen, if you've done this, this is what's going to happen the rest of your life. And it was negative. And I literally yelled, not for me, and I turned it off. I love that man. I think the world of that man. There's not many people who's had more of an impact on me than that man. But to me, for me in that situation, he's a liar. I'm not saying he's a liar. Uh, you know, overall, I think he's an honest man. His, he's had years and years of faithful ministry. I think he's an honest man. But to me, a breaker of faith, that's, remember, that's what liar means in that verse. He was a liar. And in that situation, I had to choose, am I going to believe God or him? Well, who did I hear from? I heard from God. So I chose to believe God, not him. So I just turned it off. I said out loud, not for me. And I turned it off. Don't, don't, don't listen to the voices. You, you can get so obsessed with trying to get the right information that all you do is, is talk yourself or read yourself into fear. You need one thing today. You need to hear from God. And then when you hear from God, do what He's told you, do it, and you'll, you'll be able to do it in peace. Do it with faith. And do it with compassion understanding not everybody's in the same place you are. Not everybody can make that same decision you made. All right? Do it with compassion. We're, we're called, a lot of the church right now, they're so bent on fighting and proving that they're right that they're forgetting to weep with those who are weeping. That's a sign of politics because politics doesn't weep with those who weep. Never. Either side. They don't. 
It's just who agrees with me backing this person up. Whoever doesn't agree with me, I don't care what they're going through, they may go through the motions, but they never weep with those who weep. They, they never seek to really do anything for those pe people who disagree with them. All right, so, but we weep with those who weep, whether they're saved, lost, in faith, in unbelief, it doesn't matter. We weep with those who weep. But at the same time, we draw a line and we say, not for me. Okay, not for me. You all have heard the story of John G. Lake who years ago was serving in South Africa and it's when the plague, the Black Plague was going through there. Or the bu How do you say it? Bubonic, bubonic, how do you say that? Whatever it is. Uh, the plague, what would you say the plague? It was sweeping through there and they were putting up all these dead bodies. And, and the man said to John G. Lake, aren't you glad that we're vaccinated? That's not the term they use, it was something else. But uh, John G. Lake said, I'm not. And he said, what are you talking about you're not? You'll die. And he said, any, any germ that touches me will die. And so they put some of the spit. They actually put it under a microscope. They put some of the spit of that plague on his hand, put it under a microscope, and when it touched his hand, it died. <laughs> now, not everybody can do that. And John G. Lake actually ended up dying fairly young from a stroke. All right, so I'm, again, not talking about perfection. But that's a good faith example of what's possible for us, right? Okay, one more scripture, and I'm, I'm closing, really. I just want to do this one. <laughs> just, just listen, because I, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. Romans chapter 14, verse 22. A lot of these issues right now in our country, they are, they are what I call a Romans 14 issue. A lot of the issues in our country right now, they are a Romans 14 issue. So what, you can go back and read this whole chapter. There were people arguing over whether or not they could eat meat that had been sacrificed. What, what they would do is they would take this meat, or they would take these animals, sacrifice them to other gods. Then they would take that meat and like, hey, let's make a profit off this, and they would go sell that meat at the market. So the argument was from Christians, there were some Christians saying, listen, we can't eat that meat. It's the meat of the devil, all right? And so they were arguing, then there was people that was just like, listen, it's just meat. I'm hungry, I want to eat, I don't care about the devil, I want to eat. So Paul is addressing that issue. And ultimately what Paul says is what can you do in peace? And what can you do in faith? But even when you walk in peace and faith, you make sure you do it in compassion. And if it's going to offend somebody, you keep your mouth, your mouth shut. Now again, I'm not talking about not standing up for righteousness and justice. I'm just saying, listen, someone that you know you're close to and you have and that ego wants to speak up because it disagrees. But you know that's not the right thing to do. Stay quiet. That's what Paul's saying, okay? I'm not, so again, I'm not just saying I always just shut up and ignore stuff. But anyways, Romans 14, verse 22. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. You can't push your faith onto other people. Listen to this. Happy is he that condemns not himself in that thing which he allows. Or let's read it this way. Happy is he that condemns not himself in that thing which he does. So I want to read it this way. Fearful is he that condemns himself. So if you do something in fear, I don't care what it is. 
it's gonna it, it it's it's not gonna produce a good result. Verse 23. And he that doubts is damned if he eats. He's not talking about eternal damnation. He's just saying, listen, this isn't gonna have a good end. If he eats, because he eats not of faith, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. What gives you peace? What can you do in faith? What's going to keep you out of fear? Do that. And then have compassion and realize what's good for me might not be good for Brian. And what's, um, what's good for me and Brian may not be good for Dan. All right? So, so let's walk in peace, faith, and love. All right? It's that simple. So today, hear from God. If you're in fear about what to do and, and, and things like that, listen, hear from God. You need to hear from God. You don't need to go on Facebook and try to find the information, look at your age range and what your chances are. You don't need that. You don't need WebMD. You need to hear from God. Hear from Him first. That's the most important thing. Okay? Has this blessed you guys? All right, guys. Well, my wife's probably going to send me a bunch of messages after and say you shouldn't have said this and you shouldn't have said that and... Um, but that's what God wanted us to hear today. Because he, he, I want us here at Grace Point, let's be a compassionate people. And we can only be a compassionate people if we're a people that realize, listen, my relationship is between me and Jesus, between me and God, and I'm going to do what gives me peace and what I can do in faith. I'm just going to keep going, so I'm going to shut up. All right, guys, so Jeremiah will be back next week. Uh, love you guys. Appreciate you so much. Uh, if you need prayer, feel free to come up and we'll pray, but you don't need me to pray for you. You've got a covenant with God. Amen. You've got an advantage. But uh, let me bless you and then we're dismissed. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity that we've had to gather together to, to speak your word this morning, Father, to hear your word this morning. And Lord, I pray that this wouldn't just be information that we have heard, information that we have taken in. But Lord, I just pray that it minister to each and every heart here this morning and that they would leave here, Father, and hear from you. And that they would, be, that they would walk in the peace and the faith and the compassion that you call them to walk into, Father. Lord, we pray for our nation. Lord, I speak blessing over our nation, Lord. I pray that, I just pray that you, you right every wrong that you shine and, and, and fulfill your justice where there is injustice. Mm -hmm. Father, I pray that this nation be filled with your righteousness. Righteousness as it should be, Father. I pray that this be a righteous land, a land that is as it should be. But it starts with each and every one of us, Father. So I bless these people, Lord. If there's anyone this morning within the sound of my voice that has something going on in their body, I speak healing to that in the name of Jesus. On the grounds of the promises that Jesus has, has secured for us, I, we receive that healing right now in the name of Jesus. I speak healing to these bodies. I speak strength to these bodies that may be tired. I speak encouragement to the souls that might be discouraged. And we just thank you, Father. Our number one goal today, Lord, hear from you. And we thank you, we praise you, we thank you that as you go with us, we thank you that you go with us and you keep us safe 
as we travel. In Jesus' name, amen.